As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles, as we continue our study in 2 Corinthians, we'll be in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, picking up right where we left off just a few weeks ago. It is so great to be back with you. Uh, Three weeks ago today, I had the privilege of uh, speaking to 300 high school kids. You know how hard that is? My goodness, you guys are easy peasy compared to them, but it was great. I love that privilege of uh, uh, being at a conference with them uh, as our Central Florida Presbytery kids up at Lookout Mountain College. Last week preached in a barn, and so uh, um, it was not a working barn, you know, so the odor wasn't too bad, uh, but uh, hopefully the aroma of Christ is there. But it's always great to be home. So Orangewood, it's a blessed place to come back to. And I heard such great things about David Outing. He's pretty good, isn't he? Uh, not bad. He's pretty good. Uh, he is. Let's say Yahoo. And our boy, Johnny Boy Montgomery. I was getting some little quotes from him and some of the things he said, uh, which is awesome. Most of them. Uh, now, I love John. Very, very grateful for him. So let me pray as we begin together. Let's join our hearts in prayer. Father, it's always good to be in your presence. What an amazing God you are. So majestic, so powerful, so loving, and so good. Father, we thank you that your son has defeated death. He's laid death in the grave, and that means that now life reigns. Life in Christ Jesus. Life that Jesus says is abundant. So Holy Spirit, we ask that the life of Christ would come and and fill this place with with such power of your presence that, that none of us would be able to leave here the same. That there might be some here today for the very first time that that you give them the eyes to see who Jesus really is and, and what he's really done for them. And that life can reign in them today. But for each one of us, Father, may we leave here more like our Savior, your Son, Jesus. Would you speak through a broken sinner? Father, would you come and bring glory to your name? It's, we're going to talk about such important things. The gospel, life, the new life in Christ. Come and be teacher. Oh, how I desperately need you as my Savior. So come, we pray in Christ's powerful name so that we can listen. Come and listen to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, this Friday, what happens this Friday? Big day. Come on, you know what's happening, right? It's the start of the uh, uh, 30th Olympiad, uh, otherwise known as London 2012. Y'all ready? This is not a great response, I'm telling you. What are you looking forward to seeing? I mean, you got to have your favorites. Uh, some of you, maybe you're excited to see the, the basketball team or volleyball. Uh, uh, for some of you, maybe it's the diving. Can you believe those people that jump off that thing and do all those? Ch- they're crazy, I'm telling you. And how many of you watch just to see if they mess up? Now, come on, I know. Quit it. All right, it's probably some of y'all. Maybe some of you like synchronized swimming, badminton. There's a lot of different stuff for all of y'all. But how about watching Michael Phelps again? Is that guy going to be able to do what he did in the last Olympics? It's it's pretty amazing. Well, it's here. Enjoy it. Uh, And all the hype. There's one commercial that has been airing uh, that really has has kind of been wrestling with me, uh, resonating with me. As a matter of fact, 
as I prepared for this sermon, uh, this commercial really kind of took shape. And you're going to see it in just a moment. It's only 30 seconds. It's by our friends from AT&T. And uh, uh, it kind of talks about how someone gets to the Olympics. I want you to see it in the context of this. Is how does someone get to heaven? I mean, how does someone get right with God? And how does someone, the word I'm going to use is, is reconciled to God. You know, we're sinners. We've been separated from God. He's holy and perfect. We're not. We know that, right? And so God is provided. But how, how do we get there? How do we get right with God? How do we get in heaven? And this will answer, not this commercial, uh, God's word will really answer it today. So just take a minute and look at this little clip. Luck doesn't get you to the Olympic Games. You can't wish your way onto the podium. You can't buy it or hope for it. It's not enough to dream about it. Luck didn't get me to London. I swam here. It's interesting. I don't know uh, what about that really captivated me. Maybe it's the fact that sometimes I feel that's a pretty good picture of my life. Swimming through different circumstances. Uh, really swimming through maybe shark infested waters at times or, or swimming where it should be smooth sailing, but it feels like you're swimming in an ocean. How is it for you today? I, what, what kind of circumstances are you swimming in? And what are you swimming for? And when it comes to our, our relationship with God, it really, we got to realize, it's interesting what they say, is that you can't wish your way to the podium. You can't buy it or hope for it. It's not enough to dream about, about it. Luck didn't get me to London. I swam there. Hmm. Well, what gets us in a right relationship with God in a future in heaven? Do we have to swim in a way of our lives that we avoid all the obstacles that somehow we'll survive to the end? Let me start off in the beginning and make it very, very clear. Being right with God and having the promise of heaven is a gift from God. It's something that he graciously and lovingly provides. It's nothing that we have to earn. It's nothing we even have to swim for. And so many times in my life, I just feel like I'm striving so much. And this, this passage today is such amazing good news. Because it's going to tell us how God himself made us right with him. How God himself is qualified for us for heaven. And how what God has done for us by his grace through the victory of his son, Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, it changes everything. Whatever circumstances you are swimming in right now, the reality of what God has done for you in Christ Jesus should and will change everything about your circumstances, everything about your life, everything about your perspective. Really? Yes. As we get to this passage of Scripture, I probably say this to you a lot, but really it is. It's one of my favorites. I mean, it's amazing where we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5 because it's such the, it's such the heart of the gospel. It's such the heart of good news. Good news is that sinners like us can be brought near to God. He could call us family. 
And we're going to see all that he has done for us to give us life and, and life abundantly in Christ Jesus. What an amazing reconciliation for us. We're going to see three things about this power of reconciliation of the gospel. If you want to follow along in your bulletin, they'll be there. We're going to see the power of love. It sounds like a Huey Lewis new song, uh, but it's something a whole lot better. We're going to see the power of love. Uh, we're going to see the power of new. Brand spanking new, the power of new. And then thirdly, we'll see the power of the gospel all unfolding for us as we see what God has done for us to reconcile us uh, to himself in Christ Jesus. So turn with me in your Bible, 2 Corinthians 5. We left off in verse um, 10 last time. We'll pick up in verse 11 and read through the end of the chapter. Uh, to 21. Let's be mindful. This is God's word. It was written a long time ago, and it was written for a specific church with certain circumstances because God himself has breathed upon Paul. We know that it will never lead us astray. It's originally never without any errors. It has no errors, and it's for us. So whoever you are, whatever circumstances you're swimming in, let me tell you, God wants to speak to you right now through his holy word. So let's listen. Come and listen. Paul writes, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, maybe your Bible says, because we know the fear of the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we're sincere. I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love compels us or or controls us or, or constrains us. Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ died for all. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we just stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life, it's gone. A new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God. Through Christ, let us pray. Oh, Father God, what an amazing, glorious passage this is. A passage that, a passage that speaks how we sinners 
can be made right with a holy God through Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, make it clear. Make it clear to each and every one of us about this amazing good news of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen. This beautiful passage, really beautiful passage because it is showing us this reconciling power of God for all of us in Christ Jesus. What Christ has done. As we begin to see this, we'll see if we're reconciled with God, it's through the power of his love. The amazing power of God's love in verses 11 through 14. Do you know this about God? Do you know that God initiates everything out of love? What do you think of him? Do you think he's an angry God who's upset with you because you've messed up? Do you think he's a rule, you know, God that just says you've got to make sure you toe the line all the time? He certainly is holy. He certainly has a law. But let me tell you about this God. This God always initiates out of love. It's amazing. That's how he created the world. Out of love, he created the world. Out of nothing, he spoke and it came into existence. You know, God, before he created the world, he he didn't need us. God didn't create us in this world because he was missing something. It was just out of love that God created. And the crown jewel of his creation is you and me. Why? Because we're made in his image. It's amazing. Of all the things that God creates, all of it tells his story. It all points to him. There is a great designer. His name is our great God. But of all the things he created, I mean, we're the crown jewel because he made us to reflect him. He made us to know him, to love him, to walk with him, to be known by him, to be loved by him, to have fellowship with him. That is such amazing good news. Out of love, God always initiates and responds. Listen, how we are to always respond is out of love back to him. I think we Christians got it wrong sometimes. Sometimes we feel like, you know, we got to make sure we live this life and and respond to him out of fear or or making sure that we got to be obedient. Listen, God always responds to us with love. We need to respond to him out of love as, as well. God not only created the world out of love, God reconciled the world. God redeemed the world. God recreated the world out of love. Here's what I'm saying. Scripture says that when we messed up, God says, I'm going to make something new. And I'm going to do it out of love. I know you've probably heard of John 3, 16. For God so what the world? So God so loved the world. I mean, he's in love with the world that, that he would send his only son. So that those who believe in him would, would have an eternal life. And, and what amazes me about that is, as we look further into scripture, is that, that Romans 5, 8 tells us this, that, that God demonstrates his own love to us, that while we are still sinners, Christ came to die for us. What does that mean? On our worst day, on our worst day, when we weren't cleaned up and we wanted nothing to do with God, God still initiated with love for us. Isn't that good news? And he demonstrates his love in the most powerful way God can demonstrate love by sending his son to come and die for us. So God initiates with love, with us, with creation and recreation. Our response to him should always be out of love. Out of love for two things. For one is this, for who he is, out of love for who he is, and out of love for the second thing, for what he has done. A love for God for who he is. In verse 11, it says this, knowing the fear of God. What does that mean? 
Does God want us to sit here and tremble that God is mighty? No. Knowing the fear of God is reminding us of who God is. There is a God. He is holy. I mean, he is without sin. There is a God. He is mighty. I mean, right now, this God is the one who is holding all things together. There is a God. He is majestic. Right now, the angels in the heavenly realms are bowing, saying, holy, 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 are you powerful, majestic God. We should have a loving fear and awe of who he is in his character, in his being. It begins there. As a matter of fact, the writer of Proverbs says this, the beginning of all wisdom is the fear of God. What does that mean? The beginning of all knowledge is seeing by God's grace who God really is. A holy, mighty, powerful God. You remember The Lion King? Great movie. Anybody see The Lion King? All right, Lion King, a great story. Uh, Disney, bad theology, but certainly entertaining. But uh, basically there was a king, a lion king uh, called Mufasa who was reigning uh, and the hyenas were trying to uh, get his power, usurp his power, uh, kill his son. Man, does that sound familiar? Hmm. Anyway, they talked about the king. The hyenas would get together and they talk about the king, and the king's name was Mufasa. And they would say, Mufasa, whoa. They would kind of shiver and say, say it again, say it again. Mufasa, whoa. And kind of shiver at the name Mufasa. Is that what God wants us to do? No but he wants us to have a holy awe of his name and of his character and of who he is. Be compelled by love. Love of the awe of who God is. But listen, secondly, a love for what God has done in Christ Jesus. We should respond to him just because of his being. But there's such good news. We get to respond to him because of his love, because of his character, what he's done for us in Christ Jesus. Paul writes to the church of Galatia in Galatia 2.20 this, this, these words. I myself no longer live, Paul writes, but Christ lives in me. So I live my life in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is what Paul is saying. This is someone who one time in his life hated Christ, hated Christ's followers. He persecuted people like us. But when he got in contact with Jesus in a face-to-face contact on the road to Damascus, everything changed. And he realized that Christ had died for him. He realized that Christ had become his sin. He said, man, that love of Christ now compels me. The love of God that gave his life for me, now I'm going to give my life back to him. I'm compelled by the love of Christ. Listen, do you know that God cares as much about your motivation for doing things as he does about what you do? Did you hear that? That's kind of important. God cares about as much your motivation for doing things as he does what you do. And you want to stop saying, no, that can't be right. But let's look at the scriptures that say when Jesus hung out with the religious folks called Pharisees in his day, they're the ones that got him the most crazy because they did all the things for the praise of man. They had the longest prayers. They gave the most money to the church. They did the most religious things, but guess what? Their heart wasn't there. They just worshiped God with lips and not with their heart. And God says, in Christ Jesus, listen, I so loved you that my son came to rescue you and your life now should be compelled by the love of Christ who would become 
your sin. But there's more. That word compelled is a very interesting word in the Greek. It also could be constrained. May the love of Christ constrain us. What does that mean? May the love of Christ constrain us. I think of Joseph in the Old Testament. If you've been around God's word, you've probably heard about Joseph. Uh, Joseph really had a pretty raw deal. Uh, he was a one of, of 12 uh, brothers and his brothers were quite jealous of him and they sold him into slavery. And his life really took an amazingly negative turn. He went to Egypt and, and he was living in a guy's house named Potiphar. And he really just as a servant, as a slave. And as he was there, day after day after day after day, Potiphar's wife hit on him. And Potiphar's wife kept on saying, hey, Joseph, man, you are one good looking dude. Man, you are a gifted guy. Come sleep with me. Day after day, he was tempted to sleep with Potiphar's wife. How is it with you when you're tempted? Usually for me, if I'm tempted and I got good excuses to follow through, all systems go into that temptation, you know? I, I, I don't, Joseph amazes me because I could say, you know what, God, you let my brother sell me into slavery. You got me into this situation. You know that I'm a young man and I have all these desires. You know that I've said no several times. You know that all these things happen. I mean, I tell you what, I would have given so many excuses to say, all right, here we go. But Joseph did something amazingly different. He was constrained by the love of God. Because he said this to her, how could I do this and sin against God? Amazing to me. Amazing to me that, that he could have such a depth of love for God, that he could say the love of God, the love of Christ here constrains him. There's a third thing about the love of Christ that, that's in this Greek word that's very interesting. Not only should the love of Christ compel us, we see the sacrifice, we say, man, did God love us. I'm compelled to love him. We see the fact that we're constrained, but we're also, it's we're held together. I mean, this, this word really kind of talks about, could be used in a crowd, those who crowded around Jesus. They, they were so close to him. And what this really means is Christ's love holds us together, gathers around us. Do you know that Christ's love is beside you, around you, behind you, in you? It's an amazing love. Let me make it clear. Philippians 1.6 says that God who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you in Christ Jesus will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. It means this. If you're his, he's never letting you go. Do you know that? If you're his, he's never changing his mind about you. If you're his, his grip on you is so sure. I often live my Christian life saying, God, I don't want to lose you. God, I I'm so prone to let go. God, I'm so prone to deny you. I'm so prone to forget you. But do you know the amazing love of Christ? It's not your grip on God that matters. You ready for this? It's God's grip on you. And guess what? He hasn't lost one yet. He says, my sheep, they know me by name and, and I'm not going to let any of them go. There's none. Hell will not be able to, to retrieve one. The amazing love of Christ that should compel us, constrains us, holds us together and will never let us go. Drink deeply, my brothers and sisters, of the good news of Christ. Last Sunday when I preached in the barn, uh, there was one lady that was there and I've known her from my childhood. She's known me since I was four. Grew up calling her aunt. 
And she grew up in a tradition like many of you that have grown up, and I know your stories, in a tradition uh, that's very religious, but doesn't talk about a lot about the grace of God in Christ Jesus. A religion that tells you more that you got to kind of work out your, your salvation and you, you got to do it yourself. You got to swim your way to heaven. I remember after the service I heard, she says, well, I'm going to go help the poor, kind of like the OCC of her community. She said, I got to work my way to heaven. Man, it doesn't work that way. She's awesome and I love her. But she's like the rest of us. All of us have fallen short. You know, none of us can swim there, right? None of us can swim to heaven. None of us can work our way there. None of us. And we don't have to. God has freely given it to us. He's given us reconciliation. He's given us heaven. He's given us a relationship. And now we're to live our lives compelled by the love of God. Jesus has reconciled me to the Father, a sinner like me. We've already reached heaven in a sense through him. We're wearing the gold medal. In reality, we should be compelled by the love of Christ. Not only that, but the power of love, the power of new, verses 15 through 17. Do you know that God did not send his son, Jesus, to come and rehabilitate you? Did you know that? You know that God didn't come to rehabilitate you because you're way worse and I'm way worse than we ever thought. He couldn't rehabilitate us. Listen, let me tell you something. We're so bad. We're so messed up that God couldn't come in Jesus to rehabilitate us. He had to start over and make us new. He had to take the old, the old of our flesh and our nature. and He had to crucify it and make us new. Jesus didn't come to rehabilitate you. He came to make you brand spanking new in Christ Jesus. And with that newness, there's a radical reorientation of ourselves. Look at verse 15. We now don't have to live to please ourselves, but please God. We've been made new. We've been given a new nature. We can live as God intended. There's good news, my brothers and sisters. Although I forget about this daily, we don't have to live our lives for just ourselves. We can live our lives for something a whole lot bigger and grander. We now can live a reorientation of our lives, live for God and his glory and for others. There's an amazing reorientation of Christ. Paul says in verse 16, I used to see Christ in the flesh, but now I see him differently. What in the world is he talking about? Paul was a religious guy and he knew his Bible. And he knew what the Bible said. He said, those who hang on a tree are cursed. And so when he saw Jesus cross on the cross, he said, that man's not the Messiah. That man's cursed by God. That man can't be the way. He is a curse. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to go and persecute and kill those who follow him because that is a curse of God. Then he had a face-to-face contact meeting with Jesus, the resurrected Christ, and he realized that Jesus was a curse, but not his curse. Listen to this. Don't lose this. He was our curse. That the curse that we deserve was placed on him. And amazingly, God cursed the son so that he could give us life and reconcile us and make us new. So now Paul saw Jesus completely different as his curse that sets us free. We are now in verse 17, we're new creations in Christ. The old nature is gone. We are made brand spanking new. So don't do the dead man's float. 
Don't live your life doing the dead man's float because the old nature has been crucified in Christ that's living according to the flesh. Just this week, as I was in prayer and I was wrestling with this and so I was saying, God, it's amazing you've made me new in Christ. It's amazing that in Jesus Christ, I've tasted life and life abundantly of you. It's amazing the joy that has come and the, and the freedom that's come in Jesus. Why do I keep going back to bread with maggots of the world? Wow, I've tasted the good stuff. And it's amazing I keep going back for the world stuff. I'm saying, God, it's amazing love you have for me. Give me a greater taste for you and Jesus. Don't let me do the dead man's float. All right, I ripped on synchronized swimming earlier. But truthfully, that's what we're called to do. We're to live our lives really uh, synchronized swimming with Jesus, imitating him, being like him. And by the way, is there a dumber sport than synchronized swimming? But have you ever tried treading water? That's pretty hard. I think for three minutes, I'd be like, oh, I couldn't do it. Christian, our lives in Christ Jesus, not a dead man's float living according to the old nature, been made new. Synchronized swimming with Jesus. Here's what this means. Live in Christ instead of your circumstances. Live in Christ instead of your circumstances. What are you swimming in right now? God loves us. He says all the things he brought into our lives are by design and for our good and his glory. Are you swimming in the midst of your circumstances? Are you letting your circumstances define your God? Or are you letting your God in Christ Jesus and his victory define your circumstances? You will never swim alone. Swim your life. Live your life in Christ Jesus, not in the midst of your circumstances. Secondly, are you living your life from victory uh, or towards victory? What I mean by that is this. I forget that what Christ has done for me. I forget that it's already been secure and done. And I live my life saying, I'm trying to please God. I'm trying to swim my way to London. And I gotta realize, no, it's all been done in Christ Jesus. Everything that he requires, he's met in Christ Jesus. We right now have victory. We have been forgiven. We are loved. Live your life from victory, not to victory. Amen? There's freedom. There's amazing freedom in this. Do you know that if you false start in the Olympics, you're disqualified? At least in swimming. At least in the high school, you get a second try. I swam in one swim meet as a young kid. They put me in the breaststroke. I was the worst kid. And when I got to the end of the lane, I touched the end with one hand instead of what you're supposed to do with two. And I was disqualified. Didn't even matter. Didn't count. I did it wrong. Do you know that in Christ Jesus, we will never be disqualified? Do you know that all, all of the requirements have been fulfilled? Listen, you know how many times you've messed up? How, how many false starts have you had? I, how many times have you broken the rules? How many mess ups have you had? Do you want to know what it means to be in Christ Jesus? You want to know about this victory? You ready for this? You will never be disqualified ever in Christ Jesus. He's never going to say enough. I've seen enough. You've messed up one too many times out of my presence because Christ truly has fulfilled it. You know how much power there is in this? Listen, we can live our lives in Christ Jesus where the reality is we've already won. We already have the medal. It's already been done. I mean, God's not there thinking, well, let's see if it's going to work this time. Let's see if they're going to make it. No, he said, Jesus has perfected it. 
And he's had a good sacrifice for you that was sufficient. Now you have the power to live your life in victory. Listen, don't try to rehabilitate your old self. Your pastor just said, don't try to rehabilitate your old self. Don't do it. Don't try to have your flesh get better. Don't do it. He's been crucified in Christ Jesus. Live out of your new self. Live out of the Holy Spirit. Live out of the victory that Christ has given you. There is where we are to live with our new nature in Christ Jesus. Put to death the old nature. Lastly, the power of the gospel in verses 18 through 21. A couple things we got to say about this. It's so important. First of all, it says this in verse 18. All of this is a gift from God. Reconciliation with God is a gift. We don't swim there. And it's amazing. The one we've offended with our sin is the one who initiates our reconciliation, the offending party. And God says to us in this passage that God is not going to count our sins against us. Let me tell you something. A holy God can't be a holy God and just wink at sin. He can't accept us and still be holy unless there's a holy sacrifice, a substitute for us. Verse 21. God the Father took him, God the Son, who knew no sin. Listen, to become your sin. So that in him, you would become the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only truth. Jesus is the only life. The only way to be reconciled with God is in him. I, I love what Spurgeon says about this. I mean, Spurgeon in his morning and evening, it's, it's, it's April 4th. It's my favorite. You know that you're loving some devotional when you can tell you that April 4th is my favorite because it's this passage. And I could pretty much quote it for you. And he says, listen, if you're here and you're, you're frustrated about your sin, he says, I got good news for you because in Christ Jesus, you are forgiven. But he says something that just amazes me. He says that we now through this transaction have the righteousness of God in Christ. If you lived a perfect life, if you never sinned, you're standing right now before God would have the righteousness of man. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is even better. Because you have something better, Christian, than a person who couldn't anyway, but who lived a perfect life. We have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the way he sees us. That's the power of reconciliation that God right now, the holy God of the universe, sees a sinner like me who continues to eat the bread of the life as robed in Christ's righteousness. Is that not good news? He says, the reality is now, now you are my storytellers. Now you are my ambassadors. Just be you. I know you're broken. I came to save you. I know you're weak. I know you're going to stumble and fall. But live your life compelled by love. Let your love of Christ constrain you and hold you together. Be you in love with Jesus and let the whole world see that I love to reconcile sinners through your life. What an amazing story. How is it with you? It's going to show the video to kind of go back to and just picture our lives swimming through the circumstances of life. I have three questions as we close in your bulletin. Are you living in your circumstances or are you living in Christ? 
in Christ Jesus who's given you victory. Second one, are you living to gain victory or from victory? And thirdly, are you living from your crucified nature or from your new nature in Christ? My brothers and sisters, what good news. God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus. Go tell that good news through your life and through your words to others. Let us pray. Father God, I pray for each and every one of us that there would not be one person here that's still trying to swim their way to heaven. Father, I pray that you would come with such power to each one of us to show us what Jesus has already done for us so that all of us can leave here compelled by the love of Christ to go and live for your glory. We don't have to live for ourselves anymore. We can live for your glory and serve one another. Father, I pray for the man or woman right now whose circumstances are flooding them, drowning in circumstances. God, please come with the power of the gospel and and wrap your loving arms around them. Thank you that you always initiate with love. God, I pray for those right now. I I just sense there's many that just their circumstances feel so overwhelming. God, would you please show them and remind them and bring them into the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. That we could live our lives from victory, not to victory. We could live our lives in Christ, not in our circumstances. And Father, I, I pray that this church would just have this message massaged deep into this pastor's heart, deep in this congregation's heart, that we could just proclaim the amazing good news that we, by your grace, stand on Christ the solid rock and will never fall off by your grace. And now you want to tell the world about your love through us. Go figure. Thanks for choosing to use the weak and the broken to show your strength, because that's what we are. For your glory, tell your story through us, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and sing.